Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we'll speak with Hubert Messman, co-chair of the 2017 Canada Summer Games, as they recently announced their legacy plans for the games and what that will mean for amateur athletes in our city in the years to come. We'll also have coverage from the groundbreaking at the Inuit Art Centre for the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and we're going to learn more about how it will connect Canadians from north to south. Then we'll be joined by David Pensado, Executive Director of the Exchange District Biz and co-founder of Alleyways in the Exchange, a very cool event that's happening tomorrow in the Exchange District. We'll learn all about it and what you can expect. And finally, we'll speak with Corrine Anderson from Splash Childcare to learn about the Splash Forest and Nature School. We'll learn how children are getting in touch with nature and how the Splash Forest and Nature School is helping to develop them for the future. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360 views and news from around Winnipeg. Robert, how are you on this fine May? June. May still. Tomorrow's June. It's still May. It's hard to keep track Unless you're listening on Saturday, in which case it is June. Oh, yes, exactly. Hello to our future listeners in on Saturday, and hello to our current listeners uh, here on Thursday. I guess the last day of May is today, thirty first, huh? Yeah. May's fl- May, this whole year is flying by. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, we're it's already crazy how that works. we're already at the almost at the halfway point of twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, June is the sixth month. Yeah. Wow, craziness. I know. How's your 2018 been so far? You know, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Um, It's nice that the, uh, you know, we've been getting some some very summery temperatures. Mm -hmm. So so that's Mm -hmm. been nice. Even though I think the heat and the humidity has been a little excessive sometimes, (laughs) but uh, that's nothing that some some time with an air conditioner can't fix. If we can handle... 40 below we can handle 30 above that's right we we can handle all the uh we know how to how to enjoy all the uh, extremes when it comes to the weather absolutely today's show is a very interesting one uh we got a a sort of a wide array of interviews we're going to be talking about the 2017 canada games they just recently announced their legacy plans uh for the games and they had a bit of a a bit of a surplus of $2.6 million. So we're going to find out where that money is going to go to help amateur athletes and amateur sport in Winnipeg. Uh, I know, Rob, you were at the uh, groundbreaking for the Inuit Arts Centre that uh, has been long in, or I guess it's just starting to be uh, created now, but it's been talked about for a long time. We've had a little bit of coverage on that, so it'll be cool to hear from from that groundbreaking, we'll also be joined by uh, David Pensado from the Exchange District Biz. The uh, uh, they're doing an alleyway. Alleyways in the Exchange. Uh, sorry, they're doing alleyways in the Exchange. Yes, exactly. Of which is a really cool event, and it's actually taking place tomorrow. And and that's going to be in conjunction with First Fridays, which is also a good time. So if you've ever not experienced uh, the Exchange District on First Fridays, it, tomorrow's a perfect uh, uh, time to go down there because it's going to be a really cool experience and then uh sunny primolo our very own uh reporter on the streets sunny p uh he's gonna be speaking with kareen anderson from splash Childcare. uh yeah so let's just hop right into it we always kick things off with a song so what do we have this week roberto well we're gonna start things off with id gorm and blame it on the bossa nova right here on river city 360 <laughs> 
was at a dance when he caught my eye, standing all alone, looking sad and shy. We began to dance, swaying to and fro, and soon I knew I'd never let him go. Blame it on the Bossanova. Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell and I'm on location at the Sport Centre down here in Winnipeg and I'm speaking with Hubert Messman, the co-chair of the 2017 Canada Games. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Nolan. So we're at the announcement for the legacy um, here for the Summer Games and sort of the surplus and what was happened. Let's just, before we sort of get into that information, tell me about the whole journey. It was a five years coming and how does it feel to sort of be on the other side of things now? You know what, it feels tremendously rewarding overall and uh, a project like this has so many tentacles to it. So when we started, as you said, well over four years ago, uh, there's a bit of a blueprint but then you want to put your own marking on it. So we had decided very early on that we wanted this to be very athlete focused. We wanted to build spirit and pride in the community and we wanted to run the best games that had ever been held in 50 years. So here we stand today and we look at those metrics and from every perspective and most notably today on the legacies that we leave because it's a very expensive and very demanding project. So if you don't have long-term benefits then it becomes a little more should we be doing this. This has been all of those things. We're very happy with it. In the background, we can see the wrestlers, badminton, volleyball, basketball players kind of taking place in the background. How do, how do you feel when you see these amateur athletes and see them sort of in their element and, and doing their thing a year removed from the games? You know what? It, it, it's a great source of pride. And one of the other questions I get asked after the four years are over, 
uh, what are the lasting impressions? And one of the most profound ones is the quality of the athletes. I had the privilege of giving out lots of medals. I went to every sporting event. And uh, when I was younger, I played lots of sports, uh, hockey, lacrosse, and so on. And I watched these kids, not only how good they were on the field, but how articulate. We had panels, they did media interviews, and so on. And what it left for me was a real sense of uh, pride and comfort that the future generation, partially through sports, will have great leaders and we are in very good shape in this community and this country because of the athleticism of so many of our young people. It, it speaks to what sport can do for our community, not necessarily just to entertain and to sort of be healthy, but just to be those future leaders. And, and it's kind of very cool to see that happening. So let's talk about the future. There's a $2.6 million legacy that's going to be uh, sort of left for these athletes and for the future of, of Winnipeg and Manitoba. What are some, some sort of generalities of what that money is going to do for, for sport coming up for us? Well, as was mentioned at the, uh, the conference today, we had a, by design, did a uh, very good thoughtful process where we had a legacy committee two years out to say okay what what do we want from this and, and it was really in three categories in the physical legacies which you're standing in today and many others that were announced in terms of new sport venues uh, also the human legacy that was discussed but your question around the financial legacy was if we were so fortunate and by good planning we have been very fortunate to have a financial legacy then the committee put together some parameters around what we could do with that over a longer term and so that falls into three areas where it's uh, athlete development both at ground level so young kids just starting out encouraging to participate and start to play sports uh, elite athletes and their training and development also coaches and officials uh, community development we wanted to have the capacity to invest some money in building new volunteerism uh, again with uh, officials and coaches and so on making sure they had a strong foundation and so now we have a program that will support both financially and with the expertise we have to do these legacy components to build a stronger sport community and then a, a stronger community overall. Absolutely I'm curious about your perspective obviously you probably grew up playing hockey and lacrosse like you said how have how has things changed for amateur sport in Manitoba? Oh boy, that's a, that's a great question, and I reflect on it often. I I don't want to uh, age myself, but I mean, I mean, I, I recall playing hockey, and we were transported. A road trip was going to Transcona in a bread truck. One of the guys' dads had a bread truck. So, it, it, but but a more specific answer to you is when we played, and we played with the same vigor, and I have teammates that I still see and stay. That's part of it. You build friendships, uh, but the the caliber of the players, the caliber of coaching, the, the equipment, everything is so much better that uh, I actually played on one provincial championship team, both in lacrosse and hockey, and my coaches, who I still see, said, you know, if we were playing the kids today, they'd kill you. <laughs> and the truth is, they're bigger, stronger, and, and better diets and everything. So I would suggest that sport has come a long way on the athletic side and also when we were playing there wasn't much in the way of guidance in terms of how to be, uh, become more of a community uh, participant and how to articulate what you wanted to do with your life and so on. I think there's much more of that all the way through the system. Yeah, well, and it comes from the previous generation passing on their knowledge and passing on their ability and ideas and, and leadership skills and all of that stuff. So, what's next for the can for for the Canada for the Canada Games and for your role specifically? Well, the uh, Canada Games will move on to Prince George for the Winter Games, 
and then out to the East Coast for the next summer games. And uh, so our role as a host society will, now that we've made this announcement, the, the board uh, will uh, terminate probably by the end of this uh, summer. And uh, Canada Games and uh, new host societies will take that role. And we'll continue to work, uh, Mariette and I and others, in terms of uh, making sure both this legacy fund is well managed and administered and also do other projects in the sports community and the rest of it. It must be bittersweet, hey, a little bit? Yeah, you know, there's a withdrawal. I, I uh, have worked on some big events before and it's very intense and uh, then you celebrate and then it's gone, right? So there is a, yeah, there's a bittersweetness to it, but it's more sweet than bitter by far. Well, any final thoughts about just this whole experience and how Manitoba really stepped up to, to make these games what they were? My last comment would be, I talked about my impression of the athletes and the youth of today. I think the other thing, as was expressed during the conference here, is the incredible community that we have that, uh, you know, we in some cases had to turn volunteers away. When we do something in this community, and I'm talking not just in the city of Winnipeg provincially, uh, it's miraculous how people don't just commit time, they commit experience. We had people who took two weeks off their jobs to come and volunteer and uh, that's a great expression of how strong we are as a community and that's my other really sweet spot in terms of why this was so great. Absolutely. Thank you Hubert for your time. My pleasure. Thanks Nolan. Coming up next, I was at the groundbreaking for the brand new Inuit Art Centre that's going to be built at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. There were many, many people in attendance to witness the groundbreaking and to take part as well, including Premier Pallister and Mayor Bowman. And we'll actually hear from them, as well as the Winnipeg Art Gallery's director and CEO, Stephen Boris, uh, in uh, a little bit, just after this short break. Before we get to that, though, here is Cleo Lane and John Dankworth with Apple Cake right here on River City 360. <laughs> Thank you. 
Winnipeg Art Gallery celebrated the groundbreaking for its Inuit Art Center on Friday, May 25th. The 40,000-plus square foot building will be home to the largest public collection of contemporary Inuit art in the world. Many supporters and dignitaries were in attendance at the event, including Premier Brian Pallister, who noted the leadership of the Winnipeg Art Gallery in the Canadian cultural community, and how the Inuit Art Centre will represent an important link to Canada's north. Inuit art is, is an iconic symbol of our nation. It provides a palpable sense of life in northern Canada. It gives perspectives. It gives history lessons as we observe and experience that art. And this new Inuit Art Centre is going to showcase, I understand, more than 13,000 pieces of art. Inspiring appreciation. That is tremendous. Mayor Brian Bowman was also in attendance at the ceremony and mentioned the role that the Inuit Art Centre will play on the journey to reconciliation and in bringing people together. The journey to reconciliation that we're on as a nation is, uh, is one that is going to continue to be uh, led uh, in the city of Winnipeg, province of Manitoba. It is perhaps the single greatest challenge of our generation is how this country responds to the calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission. And this beautiful new Inuit Art Centre will address one of the major thrusts in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and that is for education. It's through education we're going to build bridges to each other in our community and across uh, our country from coast to coast to coast. Natan Obed, president of Inuit Tapirit Kanatami, stressed how crucial it is for the voices of Inuit and Indigenous peoples to be heard and for them to have opportunities to tell their own stories. It's so important then in uh, this new Inuit Art Centre and throughout um, places in which Inuit art is exhibited and sold in this country to start empowering Inuit within this process and going beyond just appreciating the fact that there's an indigenous people that have made this art to then being in a place where you can accept the art that comes from that community without having to put specific qualifiers on certain types of expression and certain types of art because that is part of the Inuit art experience as well and many of the pieces that you'll see between 1950 and 1980 were only created in a specific way so as to create a market that was dominated by those who were trying to tell the story for Inuit to Canadians. ITK President Obed also noted how the Inuit Art Centre represents a step toward a greater understanding of the Inuit worldview and perspective, and how those perspectives can contribute to a better Canada. So not only am I excited about what is possible with the Inuit Art Centre, but I'm also excited about what is possible with this renewed understanding of the Inuit perspective and the Inuit worldview and how it can shape our country and also our families and ourselves because that is what art does. It transforms our reality. It makes us see things in a new way. It gives us new stories to understand and then tell to those in which we love. It is transformative in and of itself and I hope that the Inuit Art Centre is transformative as a place not only within Winnipeg but within Canada. The features of the new Inuit Art Centre will include a 5,000-square-foot glass atrium, a three-story vault of more than 7,000 carvings, an interactive theatre and research lab, 10,000 square feet of gallery space, seven art studios, and more. 
Dr. Stephen Boris, director and CEO of the Winnipeg Art Gallery, thanked everyone involved who helped make the vision a reality, and reminded the audience that art has the power to make a difference. Art is a voice. Every voice will be celebrated and shared in new ways. And this stunning architectural design that is rising up from this site designed by Michael Maltz Architecture, working with similar architecture in Winnipeg, will transform what is a busy corner, I think the third busiest in the city. It'll embolden Manitoba's unique role as the gateway to the north, international tourist destination, and the leader in indigenous art and culture. The celebration concluded with a preview for a new exhibition that is now open at the Winnipeg Art Gallery called Sakiayuk, art and craft from Nunatsiavut. Sakiayuk means to be visible in Inuktitut, and the touring exhibition includes 85 contemporary artworks, including textile works, video, photographs, and more, by 47 artists spanning four living generations. If you'd like to learn more about the Inuit Art Centre, you can visit inuit.wag.ca. And Sakiayuk is now open until October 14th, 2018. And to learn more about that exhibit, you can visit wag.ca. For River City 360, I'm Robert Zirk. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we're going to hear my conversation with Mr. David Pensado. David is the executive director of the Exchange District Biz. We're going to be talking about the upcoming Alleyways in the Exchange event that's happening tomorrow, June 1st, all over the Exchange District. So if you're looking for something fun to do on a Friday night or right after work, I think it starts at 4 p.m. Uh, so you should go on down to the Exchange. It's going to be a good event. Come, But before we get to that, how about Kaylin Twins with Wen right here on RC360? When, when you smile, when you smile at me Well, well I know how love will always be When, when you kiss, when you kiss me right I, I don't want to ever say I need you, I want you nearly, I love you, yes I do and I hope you hear me when, when I say, when I say be mine, if, if you will, I know all will be fine, when will you be mine? I do it. 
when I say goodbye. If, if you will, I know all will be fine. When will you? for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm jo now joined in studio by David Pensato. He's the Executive Director of the Exchange District Biz. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you're also the creator and co-founder of the uh, Alleyways Market in the Exchange, but before we're going to talk about that, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, you and, and a little bit about the Exchange. So I understand you became the Executive Director in 2017, so uh, what has your year been like in the sort of first time that you've done this uh, job. Sure, yeah, I'm about uh, halfway through the year. So I started in September, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a great, fun little adventure for me. Um, yeah, I'm still continuing to learn. You know, you always have to go through a full year cycle of seeing everything that happens and uh, and testing things out and all of that. So that's where that's where I'm at. What, what? We're sort of testing little ideas and uh, trying to make things work efficiently and, and yeah. What's your uh, relationship been with the exchange over, over your life? Well, uh, I would say that I probably started spending time in the exchange district in the 90s when I was a teenager and uh, cool. you know, going to Cinematheque and going to shows at the Albert and uh, going to rag pickers in both of its different locations and other kind of shops and things, uh, Red River Books and whatever. whatever yeah. so how, how have you seen it evolve since the 90s then? 
Well, it's evolved significantly. So I, I also moved to uh, Vancouver for a few years uh, in the middle of high school. So um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a real transformation. I would say, particularly in the last, uh, certainly started picking up pace in the last ten years, and absolutely uh, high velocity changes in the last five. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was an area that uh, many people considered unsafe and unsavory, and there were uh, there there wasn't a lot of things going on on the street level except for a few different streets and now you've got you know essentially our, our entire 20 blocks or 30 blocks of, uh, of ground floor uh, are really active people are walking around all day all different times of the night we've got uh, all kinds of uh, the best restaurants in town and yeah there's just a lot going on what do you think has been sort of the main driving force behind that change I don't think it's any one thing. I think there's been a lot of different things. I think the the city of Winnipeg uh, and Centre Venture took a, a really important interest in the area, uh, and so you know developments like Waterfront Drive, which which is far more than a street, as Angelo Matheson from Centre Venture was relaying the other day, um, you know, have brought people living here. Uh, there's been a real commitment to encourage the, the retail space on the ground level. Um, and then, of course, you would get major players like Skip the Dishes uh, here operating, and, and that, that really just can completely change the area. Red River College as well. There's so many things. This is the, there's been so many different uh, things going on in the Exchange District that it's really hard to pinpoint any one thing. Yeah, I guess if there's lots of people working in the area, going to school in the area, shopping in the area, that just kind of creates this energy and creates a, a comfort level almost. Yeah, and increasingly living in the area. I mean, you know, for, for a time there, people were really cynical. It's funny, people who are cynical about things like, are people actually going to live in those condos on Waterfront Drive? Or gonna, are they going to rent apartments there? Um, you know, you hear the cynicism in the early days when those condos aren't full, but you don't hear anything from them now that they actually are all full. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, so you've got a lot of people living here. There's more housing uh, coming online in the next couple of years. It's, it's just increasingly a thriving place. And it's sought after places yeah. now, you know? Absolutely. So you're half, half a year in your new role. How, how do you picture the exchange in like five or ten years? What, what do you see? Sort of how, do, how is it going to evolve in the next decade or so? Well, I think, um, like I said, there's been so many factors that have contributed to its success, not the least of which has been the arts and culture community uh, and the business community, obviously, who I, who I primarily speak for. Um, but it's the intersection between those two uh, that, that really gives it its vibrancy. And as far as I'm concerned, what our organization can do best is to help continue to foster the conditions that allow for those kinds of creative collisions to take place. For the, it, it, you know, it really is kind of a, a, like almost like an ecosystem, right? There's arts and culture, there's, uh, there's professional services, there's, you know, ground floor, small businesses, uh, and lots of investment as well. So we, all of those things have a, sort of a balanced stake in this. And I think that uh, it would be really easy for us to over intervene and try to do too much. Um, and I think for us, it's more about taking a look at how and why all this is working mm -hmm. and encouraging more of it to take place. How do you balance that? Is there a foot, like, do you try to focus on getting sort of young professionals or young artists in the area or, or what's, or are you just kind of constantly looking at all facets and, and working at th um, things all together? Well, we're definitely going through a significant strategic planning process at the moment. And part of what we're doing is trying to understand those relationships. We do a lot of uh, connecting of dots for people. We're increasingly uh, helping businesses navigate the bureaucracy of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which, to be honest, I mean, I've got good relationships with pe the people at the city, and uh, they they're aware of the challenges as much right. as the businesses are. Um, Just the red tape people have to, the papers they fill out and the 
things that they have to do to make their businesses work? There's processes and they aren't always completely transparent. So, you know, we're working to understand those better and help businesses navigate through them and hopefully help the city make those processes easier as well. Yeah. Um, so there's those kinds of things. And then there's just this, the, you know, continued activation of the space on the ground level. So uh, really the majority of our businesses, we th when we think about the exchange district, we always think about the ground floor shops and services and festivals and things. But the majority of our members at the, at the biz are actually, you know, professional services that are kind of second floor office and above. Um, but part of the draw is that they're able to attract talent easier because the exchange district is so vibrant on the ground floor. So we're looking at that balance and looking at what are the where are the ways that we can really serve our members and really serve the community. Well, let's talk about the ground floor. Let's talk about the grassroots, the alleyways market. Uh, what gave you this idea and how long has it been going for? Just give me so give me a background. Sure. Um, I would say the idea. I had the idea about five years ago. And I can't, I wouldn't be able to say exactly where it came from. I think it, you know, sort of a collision of different things. Again, I'm going to keep using the word collision. It's terrible. Mm, that's fine. You get on a word and you stick with it. <laughs> um, no, but, but I mean, the Storefront Manitoba was doing their free parking day and they did some interventions in some back lanes. Uh, and that was all very interesting and, and arty. And people were talking lots about a market in the exchange district and why that may or may not work. And uh, I, I was just thinking about, okay, well, if you were to do a market in the exchange district, what would it look like? Right. So, so the idea was, okay, and I was really inspired by the back lanes. I often cut through them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a very unique sort of look in some areas. You're like, am I allowed to go here sometime? And yeah, like, you know, for sure. Lanes. They're really fascinating, cool. right? And, and so uh, I just thought, uh, you know, a market in the back lane, that would be an exchange district market. Uh, and uh, talking to my friend, uh, Tom Jansen, uh, we came together and sort of went, okay, well, let's make this happen. I, I had the idea and he had the, he's a planner, so he had the sort of the thinking behind, okay, what are the functional things that need to happen for this to work? So we, we threw it together kind of, kind of on a whim. Um, and with the hopes that the exchange district biz would uh, would take it on, that was two years ago. Cool. They didn't take it on, but they eventually took me on. So we're uh, so there <laughs> you go. here. We are. Yeah. Uh, so what? Give me. Uh, what are people going to see and do? Give me sort of a visual of the sights and sounds and shops that people are going to experience at the. Uh Market. So it's interesting. This year, we're actually expanding the market. So rather than having just the market, we're now we're now calling it uh, alleyways in the exchange because the market will continue to be on Elgin, where we settled on uh, last year. Uh, Elgin is the laneway between Lily and Bertha, right behind the concert hall. So it'll be the same uh, excellent mix of makers curated by Lucky Girl Pop Up, um, and they are taking on the food side of it as well this year. Um, and so, yeah, people, you can go on social media and probably see lots of scenes of it. It, it, it really has a really great feeling that runs from 4 until 10 on Friday. Uh, we are uh, working with ArtSpace uh, to do an art lounge in their drayway beside, oh, cool. uh, beside Cinematech there. So they've uh, commissioned a work of art um, from, a, from an international artist Very that cool. they will be wheat pasting over the course of the summer nice. onto the inside. And uh, we're doing swing dancing. Uh, in the John Hirsch place, which is right behind Corrientes and Kevin's. We're working with the residents of the Exchange District for that one. So so are you kind of recommending people just come on down to the Exchange, walk around, you're going to be able to see all sorts of things all over the... Absolutely, and it's also First Fridays, so it's always a good time oh, to walk yeah. around in the Exchange District anyway. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there's just there's a lot going on. Uh, Design Quarter is having some kind of event uh, at Bijou Park. There's lots happening. Tons to do down in the Exchange. So this is happening June 1st, Friday. 
uh, from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Swing dancing at 7. Swing at 7. Uh, I'm, told, I'm told that six hours of swing dancing is too much. No kidding. <laughs> a little rough on the knees. Uh, where can people find out more information? I see there's a Facebook group here. So if you search Alleyways in the Exchange, you can find that. But uh, tell them about your website and phone number. To yep. Uh, exchangedistrict.org. We have a link right from our homepage that gives you all the details. Uh, yeah, and social media, are uh, on, we're on uh, Instagram, as is Lucky Girl, and Alleyways Market has their own Instagram account as well. So head on down to the exchange Friday, June 1st at 4 p.m. Check out all the amazing stuff. I mean, it's summer in Winnipeg. What more can you ask for? Exactly. Right? David Pensato, the Executive Director of the Exchange District Biz, thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Nolan. Up next, our very own Sonny Primolo brings us his conversation with Corrine Anderson from Splash Childcare, and we'll be hearing about the Splash Forest and Nature School. It's an amazing idea where kids are getting in touch with nature and learning about the world in a very innovative way. So stay tuned for that. We'll learn all about that after our next musical break. Before we get to that, though, here is Lawrence Welk with I Whistle a Happy Tune right here on River City 360. City 360. I'm Sunny Promolo, and with me today is Corrine Anderson from Splash Childcare. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Before we get into the actual camp, uh, tell me about Splash. Uh, Splash is a school-age program um, located in the north end of Winnipeg. Um, and we actually have two locations, school-age location and a preschool location. Um, and uh, we service about 70 children in the north end. Wow. So Splash does offer an interesting program called the Splash Forest and Nature School. Uh, can you explain to me exactly what is a forest school? Um, forest school is a concept um, originally from the UK, um, where there's been forest schools for the last 50 years. Um, um, they're becoming more popular in North America now. But actually, if you think about it, um, you know, Indigenous people have been using land-based education since the beginning of time. So it's not new to those people in Canada. So what was uh, or who made the decision to do uh, Forest Nature School? Um, it started um, about 10 years ago at Splash. Um, we got a community garden program and it went so well. Um, we really noticed that the children did very well when they were outside and children who would normally be challenged inside um, and get labeled as um, having behavior problems um, didn't, didn't have those same behavior problems when they were in the garden. Um, and so we expanded that, and that was kind of the offshoot of, of forest, the forest school program. What do the children get the opportunity to do with the forest school that they wouldn't otherwise in a traditional daycare setting? Um, there's quite a few things. Um, I think the, the main thing is um, having the opportunity to build that connection with, with nature. Um, most childcare programs are not focused on the outdoors. Um, they might go outside often, but it's to different parks and different playground locations. Um, whereas one of the key principles of Forest School is to visit the same location over and over again so that you start noticing the changes of the seasons and notice which wildlife lives in that area and all those sorts of things. Um, one, one big thing at Splash was that um, we discovered the park that we went to last summer was Buns Creek Park. Um, and in the north end, the children don't usually have the opportunity to take their shoes off um, because we're worried about sharps and broken glass and whatnot. Um, but at Buns Creek Park, it was safe for them to take their socks and shoes off. And their favorite thing was to just sit with their feet in the creek because it's a very shallow creek. Um, and that was a very unique experience for them, as well as just having enough time, not getting transitioned from one thing to another um, over and over again during the day. And they could have three hours to build a fort if that's what they wanted. That's so awesome. It's like a little piece of nature just within our city limits. So how many children typically take part in the program and what are the ages roughly? Um, last summer was our, our pilot project um, because it was new for us to offer a forest and nature school type program. Um, we had um, 20 children for a two-week time period, um, went every day for about five and a half hours a day. Um, and um, then we had four days where all of the children from both programs went to the park for the, for the five and a half hours. Um, just to have that time outdoors. So we weren't able to do all of the forest school things, but we were able to introduce some of the ideas with them. Um, and it went so well. We had such positive feedback that this upcoming summer, the plan is to be there the whole summer um, and that we'll have different small groups um, rotate throughout the summer. 
That's so awesome. Obviously, by being out in nature, some of the children get the chance to learn some survival skills. Uh, so what kind of skills would these be? Um, there are lots of forest school programs, but not all of them do use tools. Um, and so um, they will use, learn how to tie ropes, um, sometimes use knives or build fires. Um, and then also just the, the basic life skill of learning how to do a risk benefit assessment. So sometimes that's a dynamic risk benefit assessment. You get to a location and something's different than what you were expecting. And so you have to say, okay, how are we going to be safe and play in this area? Or have we determined that it's not safe? So just helping the children to be involved in that process as well. Um, and that's a skill that they can use later on in life. Um, and we always like to see when it comes to doing what some people term as riskier types of play, like climbing trees or jumping from high places, um, that we want children to learn um, how to do those risk assessments um, when they're younger, um, so that when they become 16 and start driving cars or 18 and move away from home, that they'll have that ability to, to figure out what's safe and what's not safe. As important as survival skills are, something just as important is the experience itself. Uh, what are some of those stories? I know there's one with a fishing rod, if you want to tell me about that. Um, one of the children, um, so we discovered the creek and we had been, there was a spot where we could sit on the rocks in the creek and the children had been taking their shoes off. And then that moved into somebody decided that they wanted to go fishing. So we brought some string and made pretend fishing rods um, and the, that kept the children happy for a couple of days. And then um, one of the children whose father had passed away a few years before um, went home and asked his mother to dig his fishing gear, his father's fishing gear out of the basement. And he showed up the next day with his fishing tackle box and he was so proud of it and so happy. And he, then he was able to put a real fishing hook on, on his line and he would just sat in the middle of the creek for two hours pretending to fish with his real fishing hook. And, and we really thought that was special to be able to have that connection with his father. Absolutely. It's just bringing them closer together, even though he's gone. Um, so thank you again, Corrine, for uh, speaking with us today. But before I go, is there anything you would like to add? Um, I think that um, children in Winnipeg should have the, these sorts of opportunities, whether they're in a forest school program or not. Um, and so I'm hoping that um, more programs and more schools and more daycares will be taking children outside and giving them the opportunity to spend longer periods of time in nature and build that connection. Um, because if we don't, um, if we expect children to be stewards of the environment in the future, um, but they've had no experiences in it, that, that's not gonna happen. So it's really important that we provide those opportunities. Thanks, Sunny. We've got time for a bit more music here on RC360. We know that CJNU is known for the classic music that we hear and the nostalgic radio that we play. So here's Danny and the Juniors with Rock and Roll is Here to Stay, right here on RC360. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why I don't care 
Genres come and go, but rock and roll is here to stay. That was Danny and the Juniors. It's Robert and Nolan here with you on River City 360 today. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday or your Saturday morning or whenever you might be listening if you're listening to the podcast. Hope you're having a, a fantastic day. We've got time for a couple more songs before we say goodbye today. We're going to hear Joni James now with People Will Say We're In Love right here on River City 360. Don't throw bouquets at me Don't please my folks too much Don't laugh at my jokes too much People will say we're in love Don't sigh and gaze at me Your sighs are so like mine Your eyes mustn't glow like mine People will say Start collecting things Give me my rose and my glove Sweetheart, they're suspecting things People will say My rose 
gloves and my gloves Sweetheart, they're suspecting things People will say we're in a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show. Give us a call. Our listener line's open 24-7, and we'd love to hear your feedback again. The number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also request a song or leave feedback on Twitter and Facebook. We're on there, so just search at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.